Welcome to Sheer Clarity, the show that will teach you about leadership by attraction, building self-awareness, and how to develop exceptional self-management abilities that will help you become more reflective, more open, more trusting, and more engaging with the people who matter to you most. In other words, make you a better leader. Head on over to SheerClarity.com where you can learn more, subscribe to the show for free, and connect on social media. And now, here's your host, Jay Kevin McHugh. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Sheer Clarity. I am your host, Jay Kevin McHugh. Happy to have you here on episode number two. Obviously, a work in progress. We took the first step last episode, gave you an introduction, told you who we are, we meaning me and my producer, which I'll introduce in a minute. Just want to welcome you to the show, tell you we're excited about having you here. At the first episode, we gave you a nice introduction to Sheer Clarity and kind of laid out for you what Sheer Clarity is and what we're trying to do here for the show. But to get right to today's episode, we promised you we'd start breaking down the three legs of the stool on Sheer Clarity, the path to it. One leg was trust, another leg was honesty, and another one was called appropriate vulnerability. And we started to talk about this trust part of that segment. So today is about trust. We're going to give you a little overview about what I mean by trust and then a definition of trust. And then we'll talk down through one of the legs of the trust tree. But before I do that, let's say hello to my producer, Matthew Passy, and continue to get to know Matthew. How are you doing today, buddy? I am doing great, Kevin. How are you this evening? Cannot complain one bit. This is great. We had a great first episode. We did. At least in my judgment. How about yours? I loved it. I had a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to getting a little bit deeper now, getting a little bit more granular into how we can help the audience find sheer clarity. And so excited to get right into it. Yeah, that's great. Just as a reminder from the last episode, when we talked about sheer clarity, it's really getting clarity about yourself, clarity about others, clarity about what others think of you, clarity generally about your path in life as well as what you're doing today as a leader, how your brand is and how it works. And then when we talked about this three dimensions of your sheer clarity and how you're going to get it, one of them was the dimension called trust. If I keep it just simple for a minute for the listeners, let's just think straight up about it. I don't know any leader who isn't at least conscious in some way, shape, or form of how crucial trust is. I had a coaching call just today with one of my clients, and he's got a couple of very, very new high-power members to his squad. It's a technology company, very, very smart people, very competent people, actually wizards, the best in the game. And they're coming together, and one of his concerns and one of his sort of efforts he wants sheer clarity around is how do I get these very smart, incredibly capable, competent people to trust each other? And when I talk about trust, what does that mean? Generally speaking, I'd like to define it this way. It's a feeling that I have about you, about some other person. This is a two-member relationship. I have you, I have me. And when I engage with you, if I say I trust you, what does that mean? Basically, it means that I feel safe with you sharing just about anything I want to share. I have a complete confidence that you will not exploit me, 
The opposite of trust is betrayal. You will not betray me. I also believe that you care about me and you probably have my best interest in mind. What I can then do is I can relax in the comfort and the joy and the peace that comes from being with somebody I trust, plain and simple. Now, that's me going over that way towards you. Here's the other part of the trust equation, which is essential if you really have a nice, robust, trusting relationship. The person on the opposite end feels exactly the same way. In other words, it's reciprocal. And I'd be curious, Matthew, if that resonates with you as I describe it. I'm trying to keep it simple. And I'm wondering if this is hitting you in that way. I think you've explained it absolutely perfectly. The idea of trusting someone, whether it's a partner in business, a partner in relationships, a partner in life in general, when you talk about any type of trust, the idea is that you believe that the person is going to live up to the commitments that they have said that they are going to live up to. You've explained it perfectly. You feel safe because you know that this person is going to take care of you as they said they would. That's correct. So that will bring us to today's show. Everybody knows what it means to be trusted and what it means to feel like when trust is broken. It sucks, actually. But as I get clearer, here's what I wanted to do. I think we've put something up on the website that people can download when they get a chance, and I call it the trust chart. It's basically a diagram of trust And what it does is it takes the concept and it breaks it down into two very big main branches. So we've already talked globally what would define trust is, a sense of safety and comfort and you care about me and you have my best interest in mind and I know that you and I have that relationship. But if we define it a little bit more tightly, we'll break down trust now for the purposes, especially at work in a professional environment, as having two main components. One is called competence and the other is called character. So the trust in a working setting, when I've got a boss and my boss trusts me or I've got somebody who works for me and I trust them, I can trust them on two distinctly different levels. One is how competent are they as it relates to getting the work done that I hire them to do. They have a job, they have an assignment, they have a role, and the role, hopefully, has been well-defined, and it's clear. It's not defined in terms of that person. It's defined in terms of its function. This is the job, job X, Y, Z, and that job requires the following These are the results. These are the metrics we'll measure. These are the characteristics I'm expecting. Strategy, development, leadership, how to pick people, how to set goals, how to meet the goals. Everything in the job requires competence. Simultaneously, in an individual who's handling that job, they're also going to have something equally important, which is their character. So today's show is just a little more discussion about the distinct competency and character breakdown. How this becomes vividly understandable, I have an old quote from Warren Buffett that I found a while ago. It was on a presentation about how to pick really good people and hire the right talent. I think it's Jim Collins in Good to Great. He talked about getting the right people on the bus. How do you get the right people on the bus? 
Well, first, you better now understand what your job role is and what you need. And when you need that, then you go look for them. Well, guess what? You're going to look for competence and you're going to look for character. And the way Warren Buffett put it when he was asked one time, what are the things that you look for in people? His answer was interesting. The number one thing he said he looks for first and foremost is personal integrity. You can just extrapolate that and it has everything to do with character. So honesty and caring and fairness and authenticity and all those good things down the character tree. We'll talk about that next episode. Then he said, number two, is they have to be incredibly smart. All right. Well, that makes sense. Real high intellect, high IQ, high capacity to learn and to learn quickly and to assimilate complex information, to comprehensively understand and have skill and knowledge around something. So really, really smart. And this third one was they are highly motivated. They have intense achievement needs, right? They really want to go, 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 and they want to win and they're highly motivated. So there it was, Warren Buffett, I need personal integrity, I need really high intellect, they're smart, and they're ambitious. And then he closes with, if you don't have, number one, personal integrity, number two and three will kill you. I can see that. It resonates in my, gosh, 40 plus years in business. In the end, super smart people who are highly ambitious, they become very early rock stars in any place they go. But without the character piece buttoned down, in shape, in order, that intellect and that ambition can turn gnarly and take advantage of people and create issues for you. And Warren Buffett knew it and got it. That's a quick snapshot, sort of to give everybody a picture of these two dimensions. Do I trust this person character-wise, and do I trust them competency-wise? So we're going to talk a little bit more about competency right now. In the world of work, clearly, we have to have a certain level of knowledge and understanding about our job, about what's expected of the job. And when I take this competency dimension down to a little more granular level. I break it into two more nuggets. One is I am trusting that this individual I put into this job is capable of getting results because ultimately that's what the job is. I have an expectation. Things get done because of you in that work, in that job, the result the outcome, the production, the end game, whatever it is that we're going to achieve or measure, I trust that that person gets it done. It's results. When you get your personal branding in your leadership role and in the environment you're working in, you want to develop a brand that has really strong character and strong competency. Okay, well, if we're working on competence today, the first thing I'd want to stress and underscore is that you're a kind of person who gets results. That will increase your competency brand. You will become known as quite competent. They get it done. That's results. And the second part of that competency is your basic capability. Capability is about are you able? What is the ability? What is the capability? And that's going to be what are your skills? 
What's your knowledge and what's your experience? In the results category, it's what's your reputation and your credibility and your performance. So these are the two fundamental breakdowns of the competence. And when you step away from it, imagine at some level when you're at work, you're the leader, you're going to look at your colleagues across cohorts, my colleagues, my teammates, the members in the cross-functional areas that I have to interact with. Do I trust my HR department? Do I trust my legal department? Do I trust the marketing department? On and on and on. Do I trust them to be results-driven? Do they have a reputation for productivity and getting it done? Is what they do and the quality of what they do credible? Can I count on them to perform? Then I look over here and I assess them in their intellect, in their intelligence, their skill sets, their knowledge base, and do they know how? Have they put together a car a thousand times and do these cars run well? Do they have the knowledge, the skills, and the abilities to produce it? Picture that all coming together in one fundamental question. Do I trust their competency? It's the main part of the hiring experience. The first thing you do when you're hiring is you filter out people that are applying for the jobs to determine, do they in fact have the skills that they claim they have? Do they have the knowledge they claim they have? Does the experience match up with the expectations that I have for the experience that I want them to have to perform this job? Do they have a good reputation? Hence why we ask for recommendations and references. Are they credible? Have they ever made a big mistake or been known to be dishonest in the field? And do they perform? Have they shown results? Have they increased sales? Have they grown a bit? You know, whatever those performance metrics are going to look like. And I feel myself dealing with this right now as I'm trying to bring on people onto my team that a lot of people are very easily touting that they have the skills, knowledge, and experience. And there's not a lot of opportunity for me to check the results side for them, but I have to sort of trust that they are as skillful and knowledgeable and as experienced as they claim. It's difficult. And I've found that more so than not, I'm not finding people who live up to the expectations that <laughs> I have set for that role. It's a very difficult thing. This is the grand opportunity for resume inflation. Yeah. Look, I ran businesses for 20 years before I became an executive coach. And I got to tell you, it hasn't changed. I mean, the technology for finding people is changed. Recruiting, automated recruiter, monster, job board, blah, 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 blah. But in the end, you eventually get down to the same thing we've been doing for a million years. We got to interview them. We got to talk to them. And we get their resume and we look at it and maybe we got sophisticated background checks now and make sure they haven't killed the grandmother. But <laughs> you know, in the end, you end up making a judgment call as this person telling me the truth. And typically what happens in this competency category, they will lay out for you what they've done. That's the experience. They'll explain to you their skill sets and what they know. And if you're a good interviewer, you're actually going to ask for lots of examples about times when they produced results, time when they overcame obstacles, all that good stuff, right? I mean, I was a sales guy, so sales questions were always around 
tell me about the times you set aggressive forecasts and when you met them and didn't meet them and all those good things. So now I'm looking for somebody who actually proven, and you'll see it in the resume, increased sales 80% by blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, I believe you. And then I hire them and then I get two months in and I'm going, uh, I'm not seeing it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I know everybody listening right now has had that feeling in the pit of their stomach at least 100 times in their career. Are you kidding me? It's funny because the way you lay out this trust chart, if you think about the competency, the competency is your resume. So the next time you're reworking your resume, you want to think about, are you displaying your skills, knowledge, experience? Are you talking about your capability? Are you sharing your results and your reputation? What gives you that credibility? And then when you go in for the interview, that's where you get a chance to display your character. And of course, we'll talk more about the character part next episode, but I think about my resume and the resumes of people that I look at and the ones that do stand out. It's not just somebody who lists what they've done, but they list how they're capable for the job that they're applying to. That's right. If you're actually hiring someone or you're the person who's trying to get hired, you can use the trust chart as your schematic about how to present yourself. Because in the end, if you think about it, Ultimately, from the moment you walk into an interview, I, the person interviewing you, am just so motivated to like you and trust you and believe you. I want this job filled. I've been struggling. I can't keep the right people. I've already changed the pay scale. I've already added perks. And if you go into job markets that are really intense, technology, people in Silicon Valley, I mean, they fight over people. That's why there's so much money running around with these folks, because they're just throwing dollars at everybody to get them to come over. But in the end, even if it's not something fancy like tech or sexy, you have the moment in time and space, and that person interviewing you absolutely wants to love you and believe you, that you are the answer to their issues. And so when you put this out in front of them and speak to it, man, you better make sure that you actually walk the damn talk. Because what will happen is people will know it takes about four weeks and then people will begin to have their first impressions. The data's coming in. Uh Uh-oh, that's the negative feeling. Uh Uh-oh. And the positive feeling is, oh my God, they're even better than I thought. (laughs) And... To sort of put a pin in all of this, once you have that person for four weeks and they have taken the job and they are showing the results and they are doing the job and they are displaying the skills that they have told you that they have, you always hear bosses and people say, I trust this person to watch my children. You put faith in them. They said, look, hire me to do this job. I will take care of it for you. And when they succeed in doing that, All of a sudden, they've built equity with you, that safety net, that trust that makes you turn to that person and say, old so-and-so, he's so reliable, I'd have him watch my kids. Bingo. And the watching of the kids thing will be interesting. We can bring this up again when we talk in the next episode because that has a lot to do with both competency and character. For example, you would want somebody who has integrity and caring and honesty and 
love when I'm leaving my kids with you, but I sure as heck want them to be smart enough and capable enough. I mean, do they know how to change a diaper? There's a lot of stuff that goes in just to that skill set and knowledge base and experience if you're hiring somebody to watch your kids. Absolutely. It's a great compliment. I can tell you another way for people to think about this in this competency part of the trust tree. When you go out there, you want to interview for competence. And if you go out looking for the work and the job, you want to present yourself with competence. But I'm always interested in how well has the employer fully described what they want from their job. What does successful performance look like? What are the indicators, the measurements that will tell us how often will we take the measurements and how in touch with this list of skills, competencies, how often will we check and test, confirm, all those things. Frequently, I find the employer has not done their homework defining these things. And so anybody who comes in, regardless of what they have, they're already working with a deficit. There's an obstacle. So when I'm coaching clients, I've been coaching clients for a long time, some very senior executives who are moving on, they're looking for a new job. And I am insistent with them, like, you need to be brutal with this potential person who's going to hire you about how clear they have gotten about the job and the competencies. And all these items that are on the trust chart, you can use this as your guide. You can ask questions. So tell me about the results of the predecessor. Tell me about the results that you were measuring. Tell me about how realistic you thought those were. How clearly you did your measure. You know what I mean? You can even use this trust chart as an interview checklist if you want to, both ways, whether you're doing the hiring or you're doing the trying to get hired. But it always comes back in the end, underlying this whole dialogue between an employer and employee is a fundamental desire to feel trust. And I'll say more globally about this trust thing. I actually am denying my clients the right to use the term team until we know for sure that trust, reciprocal trust, is present in all the relationships on that team. Otherwise, you have a work group. And I'm fine with a work group, and you should be fine with a work group. No problem. Work groups get stuff done. I like it. We got to move 500 pounds of crap from point A to point B, and we got to do it in two weeks. And we got to do it for $100 a pound. Get a work group together, figure out how to get that done. That's fine. And when we're done, we can stay on as a work group and move another 500 pounds another day. That's no problem. But we do not have to have connections. All we have to have is a rhythm and a process and a dedication to getting it done. Fine. Is that a team? I don't think so. I like the idea of caring and trusting as essential elements before I call it a team. It's funny the way you describe the difference between a work group and a team when you look at professional sports teams. A lot of those championship teams you see, they don't just show up and play together. They exist together. They become friendly. There's a different aura amongst a team that's getting ready to win something versus a team that's going to finish in 31st place. That's correct. Maybe there's a lot of talent, but right, there's no team. Absolutely. 
you can see it in any sports team. There are iconic players whose egos are outrageous, and then the coach has to deal with that outrageous ego. And then there's people with the exact same level of skill, like superhuman skills, and they are a different kind of team member. Well, why? What's the difference? Their ego is under control. And I'm sure we'll get into ego. We got to have some episodes on ego. We got to have that. Let's, let's not get too far down that path. We'll definitely tackle okay. ego in the future episodes. Oh, of sheer man. Clarity. I can't talk about ego now. We're trying to keep these manageable. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Kevin, trust me to know when to put a pin in it and move it along. So we're going to continue talking about trust and we're going to specifically look into character on the next episode of Sheer Clarity. But first, we just want to thank you for joining us on this episode of Sheer Clarity. Again, if you haven't yet, head on over to SheerClarity.com. There you'll find some show notes, including this trust chart that Kevin's been talking about. You can find links so you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, your favorite podcasting platform. You can connect with Sheer Clarity on social media. You'll also find a host of other incredible resources that will help you gain Sheer Clarity that Kevin has put together from his decades of experience in leadership training. Again, all that is available at SheerClarity.com. He's Jake Kevin McHugh. I'm Matthew Passy. We'll see you next week on Sheer Clarity.